During the day, they let me out with the others. We sit in the sun and wait. We sleep. And we dream. Each of us dying slowly in the prison of our minds. And at night, I roam the empty halls, listening to their whispering. I try to find someone who can hear me, because I have to warn them that back there in that small town on the coast, they're growing in number and moving out into the rest of the world, spreading their sickness. And in order to live, they'll take you one by one. And no one will hear you scream. No one will hear you Welcome to Horror Hidden Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm Sierra. Hey, what's up? I'm Steve. Today we're going to be talking about the 1973 movie Messiah of Evil. (laughs) Yeah, we are. I'm sorry. I'm just going through things in my head. I'm just like, all right. Dylan just like awkwardly stared at me for like a good 10 seconds there. (laughs) I'm sorry. I was like, you know what it is? It's like, okay, we just did the intro. And now I'm like, all right, boom. (laughs) Stephen's yeah. reviewing the plot, the uh, the outline of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I think so in my head. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, right. yeah. Before we start, uh, this movie was one I I had never heard of it. I don't think until recently. Um, we have been wanting to f- for years now, like since towards the beginning of the podcast, uh, wanted to cover "Let's Scare Jessica to Death," which is going to be our next episode. Um, so I stumbled upon this movie from, um, I was on IMDb and it popped up as a similar movie and I pulled up a trailer for it and I was like, fuck, this looks really good. And I, some of my thoughts on the trailer are thoughts on the movie, so I'll, I'll hold off on that. But, uh, that's, I, I hadn't known about this movie until probably about two weeks ago. <laughs> really? It was that soon that you, uh, found out about it? Yeah. I, I, I feel like I've heard of it before. I sent you the pictures. I have so many of those, um, like five dollar bin dvd box sets that have just random horror movies on them and th- this was on a few of them which is uh, funny but... you say that because that's how i got introduced to this movie and that's was. what you had told us which is what inspired dylan to check our box sets yeah, yeah it was oh, on like, like, like a... what other stuff am i sleeping on <laughs> yeah it was on like <laughs> that's a where i saw the pieces for the first time was in one of those cheap box sets yep well that that's you scored you scored uh i'm there but um, yeah, I still have I, it somewhere. I found out about this movie through like a Living Dead collection box set. It was like nine films for like five bucks at uh yeah the local media play, and uh, I was just going through them, and you know they had like Fulci's House by the Cemetery on there. Uh, they had the night uh, Evelyn came out of the grave. Um, the classic Night of the Living Dead, and then there was just one that popped out, and it said Messiah of Evil. I was like, let's pop this in. 
talking to my grandfather because he'd always take me like movie shopping. So we just like popped it in and I was I was blown away. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. For like 10 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I, th- I think it, it holds up as an adult, but it's not... We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> want to ruin anything yet. Um, so I... As everyone knows, I, I butcher names. Um, the movie was written and directed by William Hay- Hayek. We did not come prepared for this one. <laughs> no, I, I just don't know how to say his name. I just kept picturing the, the goofy from Disney. The, like, <laughs> You're such a Anytime I read it. Um, he did the, that sound very well. But it, I, it's written and directed by him and Gloria Katz, who um, they would later go on to get married. Fun fact. Um, so what's funny is... The movies that they made after this were absolutely nothing like this movie. Um, they made Howard the Duck. Great movie. American Graffiti. Great movie. And Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Great movie. <laughs> I don't see the problem here. There's a problem. It's just, no, it's th- that's so a very bad. diverse... Uh... <laughs> I think we're... Little known fact, we watch things other than horror occasionally. <laughs> I think, you know, to get your start in directing sometimes, it's just easier to take the horror route. And I feel like they were just, like, offered a picture deal, and they were like, all right, it's got to be horror, though. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you see it a lot. You see it with, like, um, Bob Clark and... Yeah, yeah he really was <laughs> more of a Christmas guy. Yeah, <laughs> so good at horror. Though. I wish he would have. I wish he would have bounced back. To be honest, man, you didn't like Baby Geniuses. <laughs> you know what I do actually. So Dylan's favorite uh, movie. So this movie was starring Michael Greer as Tom, Mariana Hill as Arletty, Joy Bang as Tony, Anitra Ford as Laura, and uh, I threw in here, but um, Elijah Cook Jr as Charlie, uh, Sierra pointed out when we were watching, she's like, he looks familiar, where do I know him from? And he actually was from House, House on Haunted, Haunted Hill. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. the crazy um, dude in the movie. In this yeah. movie, the like crazy bumbling bum looking guy. Was he crazy though? No, he no, wasn't crazy. He, wasn't. He, was actually, he like literally told them exactly what they needed to know right at the beginning. Also, um, there's a few other um, faces I recognized in this movie. So, the gas station attendant uh, his name was Charles. I'm probably gonna butcher this too, Dylan. Charles Deercop. Uh, he was also the Santa that robbed the gas station in Silent Night, Deadly Night that kills Billy's yep. parents. And then, um, what's her name's father? Arletty's father? Uh, yeah. Royal Dano. Yes, he was in Killer Clowns from Outer Space as the old yep. farmer. So it was really cool seeing those faces, and this movie's—it's got a good cast. Yeah, I, I thought everybody did a, a solid job. Not only does it have a good cast, it has a very beautiful cast. The women in this movie were just like yeah. models, just gorgeous. <laughs> um, so quick plot line for the movie. We're gonna go in depth with the plot line, so spoiler alert. But um, the movie follows Arletty, who goes to this town of Point Dune to find her father, who is a painter who just up and disappears and upon getting there there's uh, a lot of weird stuff that starts happening uh she finds this group which is tom tony and laura and they're are they there investigating what's going on also or are they just travelers yeah. i i think I yeah no that. they're 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 investigating also um I, also tom are they a very interested are they you know what i think they are sierra 
Yeah, I, I got that vibe. Tom's, Tom's, Tom's a player. Gives a, Tom radio, radiates that, uh, that vibe for sure. He just came across as a guy who likes his women. Yeah. Tom, Tom was a, a trip, man. And some of the lines that he had had me fucking rolling. And I don't think they were supposed to be comedic. Yeah. But, <laughs> His delivery uh, one, was pretty funny. I Because I, he has, like, a really deep voice, but he's just this scrawny, weird-looking dude. Yeah, he is. Um, But one of the lines he said, I I kept saying it the entire movie to Sierra. When, um, when Laura disappears or she leaves, he says, uh, <laughs> You give a woman a pair of shoes and she walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck, man, that's deep. Suits a philosopher. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Apparently so, it works. The girls love him. So Arletti finds uh, this group who's also there investigating the weird stuff that's going on in the town. And uh, they all, she also finds Charlie, who's with them, who's an older man from the town who kind of gives a warning that a hundred years ago the moon turned red and crazy shit happened you can't bury him can't bury him you gotta burn him and yeah <laughs> so, he was great he was great he yes. was great and it was like it was oh his face is very like just like memorable yeah and the way that he acts is very memorable because it was like as soon as i saw him i was like i know that head floating <laughs> i know that floating head somewhere and it was because his head was floating in the beginning of house on house on Hunt Hill. yeah yeah memorable he's got those crazy eyes yeah definitely he kind of reminded me of um the drunk old guy from halloween three season of the witch yeah i when i saw him he was playing a drunk old guy in this movie and i was like yeah, yeah he, play, he plays this role very well yeah a plus <laughs> very believable um so the movie starts out uh it's a very dreamy hallway sequence with a narration and the whole movie is narrated by mariana hill who plays Arletti, and also uh, the actor who played her father. It's kind of like a back and forth thing. And I, I, I really enjoyed that because it showed the start of him losing his mind in this town, and it matched up with the experiences that she was having. Yeah. But um, this, this opening scene, you just see a figure coming down a hallway, and it's very blurry. And right away, the thing I noticed was the music was very trippy. And this would follow through for the entire movie. The soundtrack was very weird. And it really sets the tone for the entire movie. Um, the entire movie, to me, felt like a nightmare. I think the music plus the sets. Because yes. like, the the house that was her father's, I'm assuming, right? Mm -hmm. He had like the entire thing painted with like different people. He had like escalators in the background that almost looked like you could step onto them. Mm -hmm. Like, so it was very like confusing because like there's like a lot of times in the movie where I was like, oh, there's people, no wait, that's the paintings. And then it's like, oh, are they gonna go up the, that escalator's fake? <laughs> like, so it, it's very, um, it is, it's very like weird and trippy to, to like, and like the whole time, for some reason, I felt like they were outside, even though they were inside, mm -hmm. because like you could hear like the the waves of the ocean in a lot of it, and then also like she's like sleeping on a bed that's like hanging from the ceiling, and it just felt very much like a patio or like by a poolside or something, but it was inside. It was a very weird like, um, like set design. Yeah. But well, it didn't I'm, help I, that the the bed was on a swing too, so I could definitely <laughs> yeah. see that patio vibe. I definitely <laughs> want one of those because, like, after that movie, I was like, damn, that looks so nice. 
I don't think I'd on something like that. Right? I, I did. Like, the whole movie... Um, and there, there was a lot of things, too, that I want to get into uh, that reminded me. So there was a, a very heavy use of color, specifically blues and reds. Suspiria. And, yeah. It was very much reminiscent of Suspiria, which is interesting because this movie was filmed like six years before Suspiria was. Maybe it was yeah. inspiration. I, I'm sure it was, but it, it's interesting because Suspiria is the movie that everyone attributes that use of color to. Yeah, I mean, it was the big movie. This yeah. one, I this movie didn't doesn't have the following that Suspiria has for sure. No, no, no but it it is, it is starting to gain a following. I'm seeing it pop up way more. I'm gonna oh. be honest with this one's storyline versus Suspiria. I would rather watch this movie. I I did skip something too. So the movie actually starts out with a guy running down a street, and he gets let into the backyard of some woman who then slits his throat with a straight razor yes and the lighting during that scene too again with the reds and the blues yep Mm -hmm. and the straight razor just right across the throat it's just like what a way to open up this movie so what's interesting is uh the actor who played that man uh his name's walter hill and after that there's a scene the scene that i talked about with our lady walking down the um the hallway and her monologue in the beginning ends with her yelling no one will hear you scream uh walter hill the actor who played the man went on in 1979 to produce alien oh which shit. the tagline for that was in space no one will hear you scream funny. <laughs> so yeah a little fun fact but uh so arletti uh is telling this story about how uh it basically alluding that she's in a a mental hospital and the entire movie as we're seeing it is her recollection of all of these events that had happened um so it starts out with her stopping at this gas station and this right here starts right away with how what i had said with like the nightmare feel you she pulls up and you just see this emptiness around her and it's it's pitch black except for her red car Mm -hmm. um i loved that and then a man pulls up in a truck who the gas station attendant looks in the back of his truck and there's two bodies with their throats slit. Doesn't call the cops for whatever reason and uh, continues to work on trucks later that this night. This was the curly haired blonde guy? Yes. The yeah. albino. Um, I don't think he had a name in the movie. Yeah. But we do th- we do see him again. He's later very on. spooky. What a voice um, he had, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Very dark and just gritty and just, yeah, and a presence too. Like, honestly, when he showed up on screen, even before the body reveal, I was like, there's just something fucking not right with this dude. Yeah. And if I saw him, and then when you see him again later on, you're like, yeah, this guy's really creepy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting in his truck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I did think it was weird, though, that the gas station attendant just doesn't call the cops or do anything. It almost makes me wonder if maybe he was familiar with the stuff going on in the town. I don't know how far away from the town they were at this point, but it does show him um, right before that firing his gun at the woods, and he says, oh, it's the wild, dogs. Wild dogs, yeah. And Arletti says, oh, that doesn't sound like dogs. Foreshadowing. Yeah. So... 
maybe that's it. Maybe it's that he knows what's going on and knows that there's really no reason to even call the cops. Just mind your business and keep doing what you're doing. You know but, what that uh, scene gets... also, um, real quick, before we move on from that scene, I can't help but get the vibes of um, The Hills Have Eyes Yeah. from that scene. Like, I'm just putting that together. I'm like, I wonder if uh, Toby Hooper drew some inspiration there. I don't know, but it's Wes Craven. It really remind. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow, Wes Craven. My apologies. <laughs> good catch. Good you catch. had me. No, you had me. I was like, wait a second. Did Toby Hooper? Do- it, it's very late. Um, yeah. It's not. It's late not late at all. I'm just old. But <laughs> you're just old. <laughs> yeah. You're not even thirty. Shut up. Old. Um, Get the fuck so out the of here. the gas station attendant is then killed off screen, but we do see his body getting lifted up by a hydraulic lift in the shop and you get that 1970s very obviously red paint but we're gonna use it as blood that's my favorite type of blood though like i love when they use like that bright reddish mm-hmm. almost orangey colored yeah paint for it's not my because, favorite like, but in i these, like really it. yeah in these like dark dim movies it stands out so nicely and i think that um for me uh, it doesn't have to look like real blood to be like visually appealing. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it makes contrast. It stands out. It brings your eye to to what you're supposed to focus on, and I think that's kind of like the point. <clears throat> so we go after this. Uh, our lady gets to her father's house. He's not there, and that's where Sierra had brought up um, the murals on the walls, which were amazing. Uh, they were actually done by Gloria Katz, college roommate. So they painted all of these specifically for the movie. I wonder if anybody still has them. I don't know. It's a good question. Let's buy them <laughs> for our office. Um, so she, she goes out the next day looking for her dad. It doesn't seem like... It's really weird. I, like nobody knows who he is? Nobody knows who he is, but, but he they also there. know who he is. Um, because Sierra had brought it up to... Uh, Art Letty very much focuses on nobody in town knows who my dad is. Nobody in town knows who my dad is. But when they find the body that they say is her dad later on, the cops are like, oh, we would often find him like wandering around town and people were reporting him doing this. And yeah, kind of contradicts a little bit. Yeah. It's probably like the thing, though, where they don't want anybody in their business. So they were just like, yeah, we don't know who that is. Like, what are you talking about? We probably ate him. But, like, obviously, they're not going to tell them that they probably ate him. <laughs> Duh. They're outsiders. Yeah. They're not part of the, the, the cult group. Well, what I think it is, too, is uh, I think that everyone from the minute Arletty gets there, we're trying to get her to leave. So, Which she should have. I, I think maybe them telling her they don't know her dad was them saying, oh, we don't know, just get out of here. And then when they realized that she was still going to push and she wasn't leaving, because she even said, that's, that's not my... That's when they planted the body. They, she even said, that's not my dad. That wasn't my dad's body. Yeah, and he had pretty feminine f- fingers, <laughs> not not big, thick man fingers. <laughs> so, uh... But, like, I thought about that when she said that, and I was like, maybe his fingers were bloated. He died. Mm-hmm. In water. He was probably bloated. Maybe. No, it I'm wasn't, just, maybe. He came more, back. Um, more parallels here with the way this is all set up it just keeps bringing me back to halloween 3 season of the witch because when um you know dr chalice and ellie they go to the town santa mira like they don't want them there they're like trying to oh yeah yeah your dad picked up this order or that and just trying to get him out of town man i'm 
I think this movie kind of had a lot of like uh, influences for like later horror to come. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Isn't it cool when you like know all of the like really like more popular common things, and then you find like the more quiet movie that you don't hear about, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. Because like I feel like that happens a lot. Like as you dive deeper into it, because like. I'm not going to pretend like we're experts or we've seen every horror movie. I mean, I'm sure Steven has seen a ton more than we have. 100%. (laughs) But as you get deeper and deeper into horror and you find, like, the genres that you really like and then you dive deeper and deeper into those specific things, um, you will start seeing, like, okay, this movie definitely takes influence from this. This movie's filmed like this one. This one took this from that one. Um, And it's not in a way that's, like, plagiarism or stealing or anything like that. It's very much so you can see that they saw something very special in these movies and they wanted to show how special that was by reusing it. And like, that's where you see, like, it's not just Suspiria that did this amazing light thing that this movie also did with the reds and the blues. You know, that's something that you see pop up in horror um, every year, you know, it it, it it follows it. And those things that, that make these movies so special, you'll see them reuse them in different movies. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really cool once you start like making the connections. It's like high fives. Like, yeah, man, <laughs> I loved your movie. High five. Here, I'm going to put red and blue lighting in my movie, too, because we're cool <laughs> like that. We're friends now. <laughs> uh, so I <clears throat> hope at least maybe they're all mad about it. I don't know. Uh, so our lady then goes on. She meets Tom, Laura, Tony, and they're having a conversation with Charlie, who's telling them, like we had said before, about this blood moon and how the people would eat raw meat and you know the whole lore of the town um so skipping ahead a little bit so that we're not going plot detail by plot detail um tom and his group end up at our lady's house because they got kicked out of their motel motel because charlie was found dead and half eaten uh laura decides that she's gonna go off on her own because she feels a little jealous that our lady's getting a little bit of attention um and this is the one of the first glimpses that you get uh adding on to what i had said with this like very dark nightmarish feel because she's walking down the street and there's all these unfinished houses and there's just this dark dark emptiness around her um she's picked up by the albino trucker who had we had seen before and you get a kind of a little bit i don't know if it was intentional but comedic relief um he bites into a rat. Yeah, beach rats. Beach rats, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, He's like, like you, you want like, some? What, is, what does he say? You like Wagner? Some classical, like, music? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> but um, you also have this whole group of people in the back of the pickup truck, and they're silent. They don't pay any attention to her. They're just looking straight up at the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, too, that she was like, just let me out. And they're like, yeah. all right, sure. Like, yeah, I was expecting yeah. her to die right then and there, and they were like, no, bye. Yeah, so she makes her way into town, and it's just... This is my favorite part of the whole movie. It's just silent... No, second favorite part. Silent, empty town. Um, she f- sees a, a woman who she follows into a grocery store. She makes her way to the back of the grocery store, where she sees an entire group of people eating the raw meat. They notice her, chase her down, and eat her. Which was... Great, because um, for those that don't really know Dylan and I, we became friends working 
at <laughs> ShopRite uh, grocery store. So anytime I see grocery store uh, settings in horror movies, I'm I just like fuck yeah. Because you, you've been there, you kind of just know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know that feeling, you know? The entire movie Intruder will always have a special place oh, in my heart yeah. for that reason. The movie rules. But um, I, I did have a complaint with this part. It was very creepy. Um, but the music playing at the grocery store is like during the whole chase scene, it's just this like jazz music playing. And yeah, it, it was, I, little, it was probably little. just like the actual move, music that would like play in the background of a grocery store in the 1970s. Yeah, I just think <laughs> I just think, it's just, the entire movie has this really eerie, like creepy soundtrack and then what's probably one of the creepiest parts of the movie, you have upbeat jazz music Nothing playing. I, I can see how that could take you out of a scene though. You know? Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, another fun fact, so this is the first glimpse that we get of these townspeople that are gone crazy. Uh, they're bleeding from the eyes. Which I love. It, signature to them um many That's how you know it's been too long many of the extras that they used for the townspeople in this movie were unemployed nasa workers where did they find them i mean we landed on the moon in 1969 this yeah, movie but was like, filmed where, in 71 <laughs> where was the movie filmed is what i'm saying oh california so like were they like near where not like does nasa work it like is that out of california you're asking me for details but I don't why didn't you details. look into that that's an interesting fact and now I have no answers. That is a, it is very random that, you know, they actually were a bunch <laughs> like, of Why were the NASA, NASA were workers. they just like, were they just like near the set and they were like, you, you look unemployed. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, like, how did that We got happen? no work for you in space, but you, you know, they're shooting a movie like right over here if you guys want to go stuff <laughs> with that. Yeah, it's a, yeah, we can make you bleed from the eyes. It's really spooky. And they were like, yeah, whatever. I've seen aliens, sure. So, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they hadn't seen aliens yet. No, no, yet. no, no, no. I mean, literally. Oh, aliens. literally aliens. I got literal, you. Okay. Because they exist. <laughs> um, so, this movie, the, the, the townspeople that attack and they eat people, it's very much a zombie feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I would say. It's funny because, too, like, they don't exactly explain what's going on. They do. Not in the beginning. Not in the beginning. No. So like, like through this point, you're like, why are they doing this? Like, you know, it has something to do with the moon being red, but you're like, but why? Like, why are these people just eating people or raw meat or whatever? Like the whole time, I'm like, are they zombies? Are they not zombies? Are they like um, immortals? Is it like um, what are they called? The Wendigo type deal? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, they, because it wasn't explained at all. Like, it was like hinted to of what was going on. Like, slowly you got like little little um things from like the the father's narrations and things like that but like the whole movie i'm just like tell me what's happening because why uh so to add to the the zombie feel um so going back the movie was filmed in 1971 it was filmed under the title the second coming and uh at the end of filming the investors all pulled out of the project so the movie was unfinished and unreleased until a Frenchman bought the movie. He bought the unedited footage. He finished it. He released it in 1973 under Messiah of Evil. Thank God for the French. Um, the, the reason I bring up the zombies thing is uh, in 1978, they re-released the movie under the title Return of the Living Dead. And what? They used... Uh, this ain't that movie. They used promotional images from the 1968 Night of the Living Dead promotional campaign. 
and they used the tagline from Dawn of the Dead, which is, when there's no room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Hmm. So, George Romero ended up suing the distribution company. Well, good. Like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. But also, they're not zombies, like, right? They're, no, yeah, no, they're definitely they, not zombies, because when they eat people, they're just dead. I think they were just cashing in on the zombie They definitely craze. look zombie-ish, though. Yeah. Like, like, they're very pale, their eyes are sunken in, like, there's some blood dripping from their eyes. I feel like zombies could do that, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely zombie vibes, but... Um, that whole scene going into the grocery store before we get past that, I loved that scene. I loved watching her walk through, like, what was an empty town with, like, all the background lights on, but, like, nothing's open, clearly, and then, but the grocery store is, because why the fuck would, would a grocery store be closed? They're always open. But it just, like, is really an eerie part, because it's, like, everything is very, like, isolated. Mm-hmm. There's nobody, and it... And she even walks into a, a motel at some point, like rings the bell a couple times, no one's there, and she walks out. I'm assuming the entire town was in the grocery store at that point. Yeah. And you get more of this too um, later on when Tony and Tom go out. Also, and throughout the, the movie, town. when you're at the father's house, you'll randomly see a silhouette in the window, in the, the roof window. Yeah. The sunroof. Fucking terrifying to me. Yeah, very, it was like a very different creepy. silhouette too. It wasn't always the same person. It was like a different town's person. I'm fairly certain because like a couple times I was like, that looks like a woman. A couple times it looked like a man. Well, later on in the movie, um, and then, not to skip ahead too much, but there's multiple that yeah. are shown like against the glass. And it, again, it's just everything just happens so randomly. And like Sierra said, it's very isolated. And it, it, the whole thing just feels like a nightmare that I would have. Yeah, yeah. Where you woke up and you're like, that wasn't too scary, but like, oof. Because like, if I'm having a nightmare, um, if I'm in a town, it's going to be in an isolated, empty town. I'm not going to be in a town where there's just like hundreds of people everywhere. Yeah, because that makes you feel safe. Or cars. There's no cars. The, the whole thing just feels eerie. Um, to skip ahead to the plot in the plot a little bit, um, my favorite part of the movie, Tony ends up going to see a movie. Tom yes. suggests it. Oh, can I? Wait, hold on. Okay. Yes, she goes to see a movie, but this is how it happens, is Tom, like, wants to be alone with, what's her name, Arletty? Yeah. And he goes, hey, why don't you go see a movie? And she's like, oh, yeah, I get to drive the car. (laughs) And then she goes, and you and can be alone. Yeah. (laughs) Like, she realized very quickly what he was doing, and she's like, fuck her. (laughs) So that was funny. That That, like, killed me. I laughed so hard. Yeah, she acts very much like a naive child. Yeah. He said that in the beginning of the movie. He, he like, called her out on that, like... I don't remember exactly what he said, but something about her being, like, very immature or something. Yeah. Um, so Tony goes to see a movie. My favorite part of the movie. <laughs> Agreed. Um, so she goes into this theater, and as she's watching this movie, more and more people come in and sit down until she's completely surrounded spoiler it's a western and uh she looks over and the person next to her's eyes are bleeding she looks over to the other side person's eyes are bleeding she gets up and then she tries to run out and she turns and everybody's just standing up facing her and it's so fucking creepy to see (laughs) yeah they had to enjoy the whole movie before they got like before they ate her like it was a good movie is what it seemed like yeah 100 percent I love a good western. <laughs> so, yeah, she ends up getting eaten, and um, 
she gets eaten on stage in front of the screen, so you see like her hand come up all bloody in front great of the Great shot, great yes. shot there. Um It just made me think of like the evil dead cover. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I was just gonna damn it, get out of my head. I was just gonna <laughs> say that. Also, like what a good scene for tension building, because little by little, the townspeople start coming in. And you knew, but you she knew, didn't know. But she, exactly, she doesn't. And she didn't even, I don't even think, I think she was like so, I don't even think she really liked the movie. She looked very annoyed when she realized what it was, but like, she, I feel like she was so unaware that there was more and more people coming in too, like, because she seems totally unaware until like, the person sits next to her and initially like his eyes weren't bleeding and she's just like downing her popcorn which somehow it was still full when she stood up which i don't understand but uh whatever it's a movie and then the woman next to her um sat down and she like looked at them and she's like oh you guys are kind of sitting close to me you know she looked uncomfortable with that and then she realized her eyes were bleeding and it was just like it was like you went through it way too quick it was like <laughs> such a build-up and you're watching and you're like oh she's gonna get eaten she's definitely gonna get munched on right now for sure. And then she when did. she finally turns around, it's just like that reveal of like all the town people. The and one she's thing got that annoys nowhere to go. <laughs> the thing that annoys me is like when she got up and she got to the aisle and she ran to the back door. When it like right away when it didn't open, she just screamed. I'm like, why are you screaming right now? Like, try and be a little bit quiet. <laughs> and then she went to the other side and tried to get the other door and screamed again. And I'm like. You deserve to die now, bitch. <laughs> just, just, just eat her, please. So, after this, we go to Tom, who's walking the town. He's my favorite. And he ends up getting attacked by these townspeople. And the police show up, try shooting at these people, and it does nothing. One police becomes one. Yep. And goes after the other police officer, it shoots him dead. It's and then Tom runs away turn. and leaves the police car. The, like the I, the way they turn, it's just so random. It's like one See, minute they could the, be fine, the and then. This is the thing that's confusing me about it, though, and like, I need to let Dylan finish the plot, and then I'll talk about it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin anything yet. Sounds I, good. I do want to, I do want to add in, um, the police officers in the movie. I don't know if it was the the ones who played the police officers, but there were two police officers in real life who ended up pulling over Michael Greer um, years later, and they were in the movie, but were never paid for being in the movie. So Did they call him out like, yo, you never paid us? Well, Michael Greer was the guy who played Tom. Oh. But he had Michael, they had Michael Greer call the director, whose name I'm not gonna try and butcher, um, and demand that they get paid, otherwise they would throw Michael Greer in jail. <laughs> did they pay him? They did pay him, yes. Wow. He was paid. Oh. He better be glad that Michael Greer was apparently important to the director. <laughs> oh, um, Tom. So, Tom goes back to Arletty, and I think it's, af it's, I think it's at this point that she's starting to turn herself, her eyes are bleeding, she's pr picking... That pricking herself with this needle, and it's reading her father's uh, diary where he's saying that he can no longer he cut himself, he can no longer feel pain, and she's kind of just going down this same. Hole there was that a he bug in her mouth. Yes. <laughs> Don't like that. So, it's at I, I believe it's at this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we get the backstory of what had happened in the town. Yeah. Um. He says a hundred years ago. Um, like a man came from like 
I don't, I don't know. He was the Dark Stranger. Yeah. And he was part of the Donner Party, who was a real life party. Yeah, but that... he came up. But he came up and said that he survived. He was a survivor. Yes. Of the was, Donner yes. Party. He was a survivor of the Donner Party, which the Donner Party's real life event is this group of people who were lost in the mountains. They ended up turning to eating each other, and he puts. I, I guess a curse or a promise. He says that he found this new religion that would help him survive, and he'd be back in a hundred years to do the same thing again. He turns. They ended up killing him. Right. I guess. Yeah. You eat people, <laughs> you survive. But that—that's where we get an idea of what's going on. So these people are part of this new religion that the Dark Stranger was talking about, where they ties into the Donner Party, which I thought was cool. I thought it was cool that they pulled in a real-life historical event to tie into it. And I am i thought it was an interesting take. It wasn't just generic zombies. It wasn't something that they just didn't explain. They had a legitimate backstory for what was going on. Mm-hmm. It just didn't come until towards the end. Yeah. Left you guessing. So, um, Arletti's dad returns, and she remembers that Charlie said you have to burn them you can't just kill them she kills her father they end up getting ambushed by the townspeople at her father's house where they escape or they think they escaped they're on the beach and they end up getting chased into the water by the townspeople who had followed them and the way they ambush them too is just like when they're like jumping through the glass ceiling yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like, oh shit. That was like some 28 weeks later kind of <laughs> shit right there. I was like, they're fucked. Well, Sierra brought up too, um, before we'd started this movie, just from watching the trailers, and I, I had noticed it a lot watching it also. This movie to me felt like a combination of Suspiria and Carnival of Souls. Yes. So, Absolutely. especially, especially when the. Um, townspeople are chasing them into the water. It yeah. was very much like the the end scene of Carnival of Souls. Plus, you've got again the the creepy atmosphere, the creepy music, the abandoned town, just kind of like the abandoned carnival. It, mm-hmm. it definitely, I can totally see those vibes with the Argeno like lighting. So the way this movie ends is exactly how it starts. Um, you see Arletti in this mental hospital, and it's after the fact. And I think this is really interesting because the way that they start the movie and the way they end this movie, along with the narration throughout the film, makes it very much the story through Arletti's eyes. So she ends this whole journey, supposedly, in the mental hospital. So we get this idea of, is it an unreliable protagonist? Yeah. Is it something where she did make the entire thing up in her head? Um, maybe she found her dad's journals, her dad went crazy, and she was just creating this whole incident in her head. Damn, dude, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't just explain it, it doesn't give you an answer, it just ends with her walking down the hallway again, where she says, at at night, I wander the hallways alone. What a sad thing. The whole monologue. So, what I was going to bring up earlier that I said I wanted to wait until we got through the plot line was that um, how we had mentioned how quick the police officer had turned. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if you listen to, like, her dad's, um, like, journal entries and you watch how 
long it takes Arletti to turn from being... It seems that the longer you're in the town, the more susceptible you are to becoming whatever they are. The longer you're exposed to the moon, I'm assuming, the more likely you are to become what they are. So, <clears throat> either the cop turning super fast is just bad writing, or he lives in the town and had slowly, he had, he, he had already been turning at that point. But, how did his partner not know? Yeah. And his partner also works in the town. I'm gonna go with it was bad writing. <laughs> Why wasn't the partner turning? Because it took Arletti several days to like, kind of like, I, I feel like uh, the exposure to the moon, you slowly lose your grip with reality you, and kind of spiral until you start eating flesh. Well, that's why I think, to me, I, I feel like it is just her going crazy mm-hmm. because she does start to turn her she's throwing up bugs she's crying blood but she never does turn she never gets where everybody else in the town they and start turning tom. right tom never turns and, and everyone... like that was the thing too is like the whole movie like you're trying to find like what happens to turn them is it when they get injured by one is it when they whatever like that's not the case. It's not like a zombie. When you get bit, you don't turn. When you get eaten, you don't get turned. When you get scratched, you don't get turned. It literally is either what Dylan's saying, where this it's in her head and she's making it up, which maybe that's the real reason everybody wanted her out of the town, was that she was causing problems where there wasn't any. Or she maybe she's so grief-stricken from the loss of her father that she spirals downward. Um, or maybe, like, you don't know, people are really in a cult, maybe people, I don't know. I- I'm gonna maybe go they don't with have the... to turn, maybe they're just people. I'm gonna go with the exposure to the blood moon. And the yeah, whole I mean, it's... Yeah, it, and then that just leaves the police officers as bad writing. Yeah. We'll but, accept that. But, Dylan, that is a great theory, because, like, I really didn't even think about that. I think it's probably meant to make you question. I think yeah, and that's... I think that's why it, I think that makes it good writing, mm-hmm. honestly, because you all can of look us at it different ways. I, I I feel like from having this conversation, all three of us have a completely different interpretation of what happened in this movie. Yeah, What's I the... like Tom. <laughs> is it, is there anything else you guys want to bring up before we get into? Ratings? Yes, Tom's suit was the most expensive part of the movie. It was. <laughs> Dylan told me that, and I was like, he does look um quite fancy, very, oh, very dapper. He, he looks so out of place this entire film. Like, so out of place. And it's funny because, like, I was, we were, like, watching this, and I'm like, he just doesn't look like a guy that would wear a suit. <laughs> I thought he fitted so well. I don't, no, when listen. I look at him, I see, like, I see, like, a guy that, um, likes, I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't look like a suit man to me. Like, that long, shaggy hair. I'm like, you look like you should be a stoner, not a suit man. I don't know. Well, listen, the but he also, hair, I feel like he's the seventies. Prob- it was the times. I don't know. I don't know. He just doesn't look like a dapper dude to me. So watching this movie, um, before we get into ratings, I'll add in a white suit. I was expecting once we got the backstory of what was happening in the town, I was expecting there to be a reveal that Tom was the dark stranger. I thought in a way that like. I definitely thought him and his girls were going to be, like, Summer of Love, like, following a cult. Like, that's what I thought. Like, like you know, like, like these, like, hippie lovers go to this town to follow this cult. Like, that's what I was really expecting to happen. So I was very confused when, like, that wasn't the case. 
You know, I don't know. Well, so looking into it, there's always been a rumor that there was a subplot that made some connection between Tom and the Dark Stranger. Also, Tom or Michael Greer, who played Tom, also played the Dark Stranger in that flashback scene. And when they, I guess before they started shooting the film, he was telling people that in the movie he was playing the son of the devil. So that would have been pretty cool to, if Tom, like, if they played on that fact that Tom was like the second coming of yeah. the Dark Stranger. To me, I feel like he was just a pal. Oh my god, he could have been the messiah, dude. That's what I'm saying, yeah, and... I mean, think about it, like, the movie was originally called The Second Coming. They could have tied it into where he... Because it doesn't really give... It's not clear enough to say that that's the case. Right, but it doesn't ever give a really super clear reason to why he's there i feel like at, if at the end like when they're running down the beach and he like turned on um why can't i remember her arletti. name arletti and like said something along the lines of like stop running from this like you have to accept it or something like that then you'd be like oh yeah okay i think that would have 100 percent like that that would have been a plus writing for me i would have oh, loved, i would have loved you. that twist thank you but yeah, I and it would kind of explain to this appeal to him that like, you know, he has all this women. He it almost hints that he lives this life of sin. <clears> I guess. I love me a cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was just an exotic dot. Uh, yeah, an exotic guy. Yeah. I, I, well, that that is what he is. I'm just fan fictioning <laughs> the fuck out of this movie. <laughs> Dylan's, Dylan's playing really coy. Tom was like his hero. This whole the whole movie, it was like his idol. He's like, this guy is so fucking cool. You give a woman Dude, a pair I of shoes Tom. and she walks away. <laughs> Literally. I, I thought he was great. His line deliveries, the way he carried himself. It's was, just so it funny because nothing with him adds up. Like his floppy hair, his tall scrawniness. <laughs> like he, like he. First off, I'm sorry. There's no way in any decade that guy was not a ladies' man. Sorry. Then that dark, deep voice. Like it's, it was creepy. And then the suit, the cream-colored suit. He just he was coming at you from every direction. I just don't know. Not what to the cream-colored suit. Oh god. His his it. pickup lines though. Like and he's like, my zipper's stuck on my vest. Can you unzip it? And she unzips yeah, it, it. And then worked. he just hugs her. It, it, work though she took the bait and she was like i all right and then like there's like the part where she like woke up and she like went upstairs and he's in there with his other girl like shirtless in bed and she's like i'm scared and he's like come on over yeah and she's just crawls into bed with a stranger i'm like what the fuck is wrong with girls in the 70s that's what i'm saying man son of the devil he had that appeal lured him in (laughs) i guess i guess i just don't see it man i don't see it Let's rate. Let's rate this movie. Okay. <laughs> All right, Steven. Um, I'm coming in with an eight out of ten. I, I really enjoy this one. Even as a kid, seeing it in that Living Dead uh, combo pack, like it just really left an impression on me. And then when I was able to rediscover it and grab the Code Red release, um. I just, I really enjoy it. It's, it's really creepy. I, I definitely see those, those vibes for Carnival of Souls and, um, you know, the Argento like lighting. Even though this predates Suspiria, uh, you know, the, the use of the bright red blood. I kind of dig the cannibalism aspect. It, it just kind of, it all 
just hits the marks for me. I'm, I definitely think this is an underrated gem. I'm going with an 8 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to give it a 6.5. What? That low? Tom! Give it another <laughs> point for Tom! <laughs> no, I, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just... There's a lot of things, and especially talking about it now, um, Tom. there's a lot of missed marks. The cream-colored suit, Dylan. And things that I, I would have... <laughs> His floppy hair, Dylan. How, what if I raise it to a seven? Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, a seven. Um, just talking about it, there's a lot of um, missed marks for me as far as the story goes, where they could have taken it in a much more interesting direction. But I do like that, for to, to me anyway, the, the ending is left open-ended, and the whole thing, I, I know I've said it a lot, but the whole thing just feels so nightmarish and dreamy and out there, and it's, I, I, I think I just love the 70s. I do love the 70s. <laughs> 60s and the 70s kill it for horror, in my personal opinion. good time, you know, there's a lot of experimenting, and exploitation was on the rise and plus people drugs were, push- were cool <laughs> drugs were cool and people were pushing boundaries you know as far as filmmaking well, goes well the thing yeah the thing with the 70s too is that um films very often reflect the times that they're released in and with the 70s you had um the vietnam war going on and then ending so a lot of the things that we saw was results of the horrors that people had seen in vietnam also, it was such a huge time for American serial killers, and I think that that inspired a lot of these early slashers and proto slashers. Plus, that I'm you get. sure too that like the the Manson family and stuff inspires a lot right. of the, the cult ideas and things like that. Um, <clears throat> what are you gonna rate this movie here? I really enjoyed this movie, and I'm gonna come in the middle between you guys. Not quite for the rating, but for like the points that you had made, because I agree with um, Stephen. I think that the the movie has like very beautiful lighting. Um, I love that it has aspects of um, you know movies that came before it, like Carnival of Souls, and then I also love that you can see inspirations in movies that came after it from this movie. Uh, I think that it, it was filmed in a very unique and interesting way that I really haven't seen otherwise, where it really focused on not necessarily the the characters in the scenes, but also in the backgrounds. Like, if you watch this movie throughout, you will notice that there's a lot of focus on what's going on in the background, because I feel like doing that, it created that feeling of isolation and loneliness, and, and there not being any help or anywhere to go or anywhere safe. Uh, and I think that it successfully really did that. The story, I do agree with Dylan, was <clears throat> I feel like it could have been better developed um, and given you maybe a little bit more horror because I don't feel that it was necessarily scary. I think that it more gave you like this uncomfortable vibe. Um, but I really enjoyed watching it. And I think at the end of the day, whether it's super scary or not, if you can sit there and enjoy it and, and appreciate the way that it was filmed and, and the art that it really is, I, I think that it's successful. <clears throat> so in that aspect, I think that I'm going to come in with a 7.8. 7.8. 7. I really enjoyed this one. It was really it was really just fun to look at. Okay. So and I didn't even give any points for Tom <laughs> because he was kind of a douche. Don't lie. Half those points are for Tom. He's a little douchey. <laughs> All right. So our, our average for the movie is a 7.6. Uh, the IMDb average for this movie is a 6.4. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. 
I expect it I'm... to be lower on IMDb. It's all good. It's just like... I feel like this is the thing, and I was so excited to not be watching something modern. You know what I mean? Because we, we really... I think this is the first movie we've covered since coming back that's that not modern. That isn't modern, modern. yeah. So, like, it, watching movies, especially from the 60s and 70s, I feel like it's like such a totally different experience. Because, you know, what was scary then is not necessarily, necessarily scary now. So you have to find other aspects of it that are just really well done. You know what I mean? So... So much more was well done at this in, during this time period than what is done now. Like I feel like they did put so much focus on what the lighting would be and how the cameras would catch that lighting and and where the actors should be and how they should react to certain situations and you know the music. Like I feel like in the sixties, seventies, the music was like almost a character in its own in these horror movies and you don't see that now i think the last movie and it's not even a good horror movie the the newest movie that i can think of where the music was like oh my gosh was um it follows and the movie wasn't even good (laughs) yeah you know what i mean but the music in the movie just made you feel a certain way and i feel like a lot of horror movies today are really lacking that aspect of it is like you have more than just one sense you know what I mean? And a horror movies focus so much on visual senses, but like you do have more than one sense that can cause you to feel horror or feel scared or feel uncomfortable or all those things. And it's so important when you see a movie that works the different se- human senses because it makes the experience 10 times better. And you don't see that today. Not as much and not as well done. Well, I think to add to that, Sira, is, you know, at this time, I think, you know, directors, filmmakers, all that, musicians, they were more ambitious, where as now, maybe there's a bit of complacency. It's well, like I we think, know I think, I think that you're we right. can cash I think in that... on certain things and just make a, a good buck off of it. Oh, you know? absolutely. I feel like that was like a big thing, too, that just kept coming around when we were doing especially the requels. Um, we weren't like supposed it, to say it again, Sierra. Yeah. I was going to say. <laughs> you know what Don't I mean? Like, it. when we were covering... Uh, shush, shush, boys. <laughs> when we were covering those movies, I felt like like money was, like, the big thing that just kept... It, like, it just feels like they're throwing out movies to make quick cash. And, and I agree with you. I, I don't think that maybe they're not as ambitious, but they're definitely not as artistic. Yeah, well, I'm an art snob. I want the artistic movies. No, I, I'm not going to say I'm, that I'm either. I'm because... a file, all right? No, I only watch shit say. for criteria. It's like, I remember, like, growing up in Rosendale, that's all the fucking theater played was, like, those were super artistic films. I'm like, no, fuck that. And that's not what I'm saying. I wasn't like, I wasn't being snobby. I'm being serious. I 100% prefer movies like this. Yeah, no, <laughs> I and, and that's the thing. It's like, I love a movie that has artistic aspects. Now, I don't. it doesn't need to be snobbishly artistic or anything like that. But... I really do wish that directors did look at, like, the use of different things other than just visual stimulation for horror. Because, like, you know, we went through, especially in, like, the early 2000s, it's, like, all the gore and all of that. Like, it's, I wouldn't it's like, even how you say, can do that. I wouldn't even say nowadays they rely on visual. I would say, if anything, it's audio. Audio? Audio? I don't know. Yeah, those quick jump audio. scares. Like, the because jump it's, scares. It's, like, the loud, like, With drum the loud, bang. Yeah. Be, because, but it's not necessarily music, either. Because just, even now, like, as far as visuals go, so much stuff is CGI'd that that's what takes me out of modern yeah. horror movies, if anything. Yeah. 
But um, that being said, yes, death to CGI. Um, We're going to wrap up this episode. Tune in next week. We're going to continue with the 70s with the 1971 film, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Uh, If you want to follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you can follow us on Horror Haven Podcasts. Um, I've been posting on the TikTok at horror underscore haven. By the time this episode comes out, who knows if I'll get bored of it by then. But um, there's actually a lot of good conversation going on over there. So pop in there and join in if you want to. Uh, Like and subscribe. No, this isn't YouTube. Uh, Subscribe and leave a com... Review? A review, yeah. Subscribe Rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Steven's got it. Um, yeah, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. E X I T. Exit. <laughs> Good night. Oh, oh, good night. (laughs) Good night. Good night.